And welcome to the Bubble Hour, where real people tell real stories of addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Jean McCarthy. I write the blog Unpickled. I host and produce this show, The Bubble Hour. I tell my story on Unpickled, and I invite you to tell your stories here on The Bubble Hour. Well, my guest today is a dear friend who I actually met through this podcast, uh, years ago, I heard Don Nickel being interviewed by the original creators of this show, Ellie and Amanda and Lisa. That was episode two, season two, episode 20. I heard the amazing voice of this calm, brilliant woman who was creating a revolution, who believed that we are all recovering from something and that women do better when they're connected and recovering together, that the insights we learn from recovering from one kind of dysfunction help us recover from another and that we can all learn together and grow together. I am, of course, talking about the amazing Dawn Nickel of She Recovers. And Dawn has become a dear friend of mine. I've joined her on many, many of her retreats, <laughs> and I have watched while well, her movement of bringing women together has become a, a, an absolute phenomenon. Dawn joins me today to talk about how she has observed recovery changing and growing over the past few decades and what we can expect from the future. So please welcome my dear friend, Mama Dawn, as so many of you know her, Dr. Dawn Nickel. Welcome to the Bubble Hour. Oh, thank you, Jean. And I mean, not very many people know you by this, but I call you Jeannie Benini. So thank you for <laughs> thank you for all your kind words. It's uh, I think this is my third time on the Bubble Hour, and it's always a pleasure. I just have such mad respect for you and the work you do, and love all the women that I've met um, through your community. And indeed, you know when we talk about our retreats, of which you've been on so many, uh, we always ask questions when people register and say, or our events or retreats, and say, how did you hear about us? And um, there's always a very good likelihood that a good proportion of those people that are joining us learned about us through the Bubble Hour or your Unpickled blog. So thank you for um, being a referral um, to bring in some of the most amazing women into our community. We appreciate everything that you do um, in this sphere as well. Oh, thank you. Well, I don't make the referral lightly, I'll tell you that. I believe passionately in what's happened because it really has transformed my recovery to be with other Women And you will recall that my first retreat I came to, um, mm-hmm. I was two years sober at that time, and I had never mm-hmm. experienced a sharing circle. I'd really been flying solo a lot of that time. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it was through that that it just broke me open and, and really just took my personal growth to a whole new level. So I, uh, I'm a big believer in it. And, and the thing that amazes me about it is that in a world where um, – uh, everything, everyone's hustling, you know. Mm-hmm. And I know that you are doing this um, independent of your personal career. Um, this is a this is sort of a side thing that you started, and that um, your passion really is to change lives, and that um, it's it really is just 
straight from your heart, and it's amazing how it's grown and, and what's happened. Well, thank but you. First, yeah. I, often, I often just say it's it's a passion project that went awry. It took over <laughs> my life. I, I, mean, I actually gave up my career and any, any form of income to do this. And, and that's okay. Like, I think, you know, one day we will be, Taryn, my daughter and I, of course, will be um, compensated for the work we do. We're in that transition stage, but we love it. And we love it because we get to meet women like you. Um, women like mm-hmm. me that are growing and, and sharing, right. That are just open mm-hmm. and we're at this amazing stage in our lives. And, and I think something magical happens when we do that. So um, it, it definitely isn't, any one personality, and I, I love that too, is that sometimes when people grow these big things, they sort of their ego grows with it or it becomes a bit of a cult of personality. And I know that you guys have worked really hard not to let that happen because your focus is on the women and the connections, and yeah. that's just yeah. amazing. But let's well, it's she recovers, not Don recovers. Right. <laughs> Not Don fan class, although it could be because we all love you so much. Aww. But I want you have an amazing story, and um, you've been in recovery for a long time, and yeah. you keep it you keep it fresh, and mm-hmm. you are you're very open. And you know, I think that um, sometimes people that have been in recovery for a long time are very entrenched in what's working for them. And they are perhaps wisely um, adverse to staying open to change because they don't want to mess with what's working for them. And I have complete respect for that. Um, Mm -hmm. But you've taken a different path. You are a lifelong learner and and passionate about growth and change. And so you have um, not only taken an approach of learning about the new offerings and how people are recovering or new perspectives on recovering, but you're very open to it. You learn about it and you share it and you're not afraid of it. So I thought it would be really interesting today for us to just talk about – for a young woman, I'm making you sound like you're 100 years old and you're a living historian of recovery. <laughs> you're, you, uh, but you've been in recovery since you were. How old were you when you got sober? Well, I tell you, the last drink I will sell it this Friday will mark, okay, this Saturday, it will be 31 years since I took my last drink. So Friday was. This Friday, it'll be 31 years ago that I drank, and um, Saturday will mark the beginning of what I see as my journey, and that doesn't mean that I have not used any other substances um, since that time. As um, you know, and other people who have heard my story know, I stopped drinking and doing cocaine, but I started smoking an awful lot of pot, and I did that for two years. So in May 2019, um, I stopped doing that too, and in the last 29, must be going on 30 years, 29 years. I'm very bad at math. Um, I have been clean and sober, um, substance-free for all but two days of the last 29 years. And uh, after my mom passed away in the year 2000, I I just couldn't cope with the pain. So I I took her painkillers to change the way I felt. And, you know, I shared that story with people. It wasn't like a big, huge, I'm getting loaded. My mom's dad, I'm going to get loaded. It was anything but that. Nobody even knew that I was just slipping back into my kind of numb self. It was just how I had to cope. And I don't carry a whole bunch of shame around that at all. Um, In 12-step recovery, the 12-step recovery program that I am somewhat more loosely affiliated with these days, um, if I'm in those meetings and, you know, it is a, a recovery program for people in recovery from addiction, 
And somebody asked me how long I've been clean. Then I, I say, you know, 18 years because uh, that program is a program of complete abstinence. But in my realm, I mean, my recovery is more than just that program. And so my recovery journey, I claim, is 31 years long and it's just had a few peaks and uh, dips. And um, so, yeah, and I... I guess what I've learned about, you know, through my own experience is, if we're just going to launch right into this, is, um, <laughs> yeah. like, people change and grow. And sometimes, in my experience, uh, we just need to kind of investigate different modalities to help us keep changing and growing. And sometimes we don't. I mean, I know people who are, and I have to say, like, every little bit as healthily recovered as I am, who have who found a 12-step program from day one and have stuck with that and, you know, working the steps and doing service and being part of their community is their entire, um, they would identify as their entire program of recovery. And they are no better or less healed than I am. So I know a lot of those people, but I just, I was one of those people that about six years into my recovery in a 12-step program, I did start, um, really expanding kind of my recovery bubble, I guess we would say. And I started looking at, um, I started doing psychotherapy and I did psychotherapy twice a week for 18 months, which coincided with me going back to school, actually. So I was back in school um, doing a women's studies degree. And what came up for me when I went back to school was not the stress and everything around going back to school was there. It was, you know, I had a family at home and it wasn't easy. But what was coming up for me was, I just felt like I didn't fit in and I felt like I was less than and I felt ashamed that I was there and taking up space and I, you know, I just, I I just, it was just this whole big blanket of yuck and I needed to explore that because I needed to stay in that program and continue that and finish that degree. So um, the University of Alberta where I went in Edmonton offered free counseling and I signed up for a program with a psychotherapist and just kind of got through 18 months of uncovering some of that you know, why do I feel so unworthy of taking my place in the world, whether that be in an educational institution or or wherever else? And uh, so that was really kind of important to me. And then through that work, I started doing a lot of reading. You know, I always kind of look at um, bibliotherapy, right, the use of books in order to grow <laughs> and uh, continue to heal. And, and I did, I stepped away from uh, the program that I had really developed such a close network of friends and supporters in. And unfortunately, what happened for me, and I know that this happens for other people too, is when I stepped away and started doing other things, um, some of the members of my community who were like my closest sisters at that time began to judge me um, for not doing it the way that they were doing it. You know, I stopped going to as many meetings. I, I, I stopped taking on service positions because I felt like, you know, school and my family was, and my therapy and, you know, all the other things that I was involved in. I had a, a stepson come live with us, and so we had a lot of work to do around there. And I just, yeah, I just kind of, I made the decision to um, lighten my uh, participation in my 12-step program, and, and I got a lot of judgment for that. And I judged myself, you know, and I remember being afraid because people told me I was going to use, and, and uh, it was quite detrimental, I think, to my recovery. But I just went back to therapy and, again, kind of found that strength within myself to know what it was that I needed. And, 
and continued, you know, to go to meetings and go to campouts and go to conventions and doing things. But I did it on my own volition and at, you know, kind of my own pace. And, and I guess I've, you know, I still say now that although I go to very few meetings, it seems these days that uh, I have every right to be there when I am there. And, um, you know, I go there to give back when I am there. And I still have a lot of close connections with people from uh, my 12-step program who I love. And, and I've just seen over the years, um, and in fact, I think that people do tell me that in large part, for a few individuals who say that my, um, kind of my confidence in speaking about the fact that you can be in 12-step and not be completely following only the 12-step pathway and you could still live and thrive and grow has helped them change their mind and been too open, even for the people who are still really entrenched. And I don't say that in a negative way, but are really, you know, kind of very closely bound in in their 12-step program. I I see increasingly um, some of the people that I know in particular and the people I'm meeting online and elsewhere. Um, I just love that there's this new openness to, like, this is what works for me, and I protect that for me. But if this doesn't work for you, then I wish you all the best in whatever you are seeking. So that's been, that's kind of a long story, isn't it? But um, <laughs> I guess, in, you know, what I'm just really trying to say is that I've, when I speak about, one of our principles is that uh, we have 10 guiding principles. The first one starts off with we are all recovering from something. And then halfway through the 10, it's we have to be supported to find and follow individualized pathways and patchworks of recovery. This is, it's philosophically the foundation of She Recovers, but it's it's evolved that way through my own experience. And in particular, um, you know, even the experience of Taryn, my daughter and co-creator of She Recovers. She never felt right in a 12-step recovery meeting and... Uh, so she's never followed that pathway. You know, yoga is her pathway. And um, so I think that we're, we're evidence-based. Our philosophy and our framework is very evidence-based, and it's based on our own experiences and the experiences of so many women that I've met, particularly since starting the She Recovers kind of movement and meeting women like you who, um, you know, in, in 15 years ago, I think that most of the people I know in 12-step recovery would not have believed that there were women and men, but we always talk about women, right? That there were women and men out in the world recovering, getting back their lives, thriving, supporting other people to do the same who were not in a 12-step recovery program. You know, there was this kind of global understanding that you're not in recovery unless you're doing 12-step. And and I just love that that is changing. And it's, uh, you know, I think in large part the Internet, we have the Internet to thank for allowing people like you to blog and, and for others to share their experience so broadly, to begin to tell people that whatever is going to work for you is uh, what you need to do and how can we then line up to support you. So it's it's a great day to be in recovery, I think. I mean, there's okay. uh, we'll talk, I think, about all the other ways, but I, I do really believe that um, there is a, a growing um patchwork of recovery options for women today and and I'm just I'm thrilled about that because even with as many options as there are um, I know that there are many more that we've yet to discover that women are kind of creating and and, uh, building already. I think you're bang on in saying that the internet has has, was sort of the missing link in connecting us because um, recovery really is about connection and and for the decades a hundred years almost um uh, 12-step meetings were the point of connection. Um, mm-hmm. Finding a meeting, that's where you connected. And um, 
the Internet introduced a new way for people to find answers and seek connection. Um, and, I mean, we still meet in person, a lot of us. We, we still, you know, that's really the best, I think, is when you can yeah. look in the eyes of someone yeah. who understands. But um, the, the one way to find that in the past was to go to a meeting um, now there's there's other ways to find other people in recovery. When we talk about recovery, just for uh, people that listen to this show a lot know that my perspective is that uh, I really believe we do well when we don't use drugs or alcohol at all. So when I talk about being sober, um, for me that means I don't drink and also I don't use drugs. I've never really been a drug user, so... Um, it's easy for me to say I'm abstinent from drugs, but I also am always perplexed by, well, how do I say that I don't use drugs without making it sound like I'm recovering from drug addiction? Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. when uh, you know when we talk about being sober, to me, what I mean when I say that is using no drugs, no alcohol. And for me, that's important in my recovery because I really feel like my susceptibility is to change how I feel. Mm-hmm. regardless of how I <laughs> what I use. So to me, mm-hmm. they're both important. But harm reduction, I mean, you, you alluded to it a little bit in that you quit drinking and you quit using cocaine, but you weren't able to completely free yourself of um, drugs and alcohol until you quit smoking pot later. You leaned mm-hmm. on pot in order to get yourself off of those other things. Yeah. So that type totally. of recovery would be considered harm reduction. And that, but your ultimate goal was abstinence. Um, can we talk about yeah. that a little bit today? Sure. Without, um, yeah. I don't want to alienate anyone or start any fires. Yeah, yeah. I, I brought it up once on Facebook, and oh my goodness, did I get attacked? I right. was shocked at the amount of people who don't consider marijuana to be a drug, really, to be that they mm-hmm. feel they can be sober and still use marijuana. So. How can we sort of philosophically look at this, or what's your perspective on it? Oh, my goodness, it's so complicated, right? Um, it is. And and because it's so complicated, I'm just always really grateful for the fact that I believe truly, like, in 1,000% that how I define recovery for me is totally my business, and how anybody mm-hmm. else defines it for them is theirs, right? I think that SAMHSA, so this, you know, like there's different um, organizations out there, and I can't remember. I can, I know the acronym, and I can actually never remember the uh, the name of the organization. So, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration has a working definition of um, recovery and what do they do. I, I, I just really love it, actually, and it, it's a great link. If anybody, if you look up SAMHSA's working definition of recovery and how they updated it. Um, sorry, I'm just looking it up now. Oh, gosh, and of course it's going to come up with a 404 error. Well, but, while you're looking it up, I'll, I'll talk a little bit because yeah. um, I think I, I like how you put that too because even though I you know, have my definition, like you say, how I define it is my business. <laughs> yeah. And it's also important to me, and this hasn't come easily to me. I would say this has taken me years to get to where I f- feel okay about allowing other people to to define their recovery in their own way. And part of that for me came from someone judging me and saying, if you didn't get sober in 12-step, you're not sober. 
And I'm like, right. well, I've been abstinent for years, so how can you say I'm not sober? And then they said, well, if you didn't need 12-step, then you were never really an alcoholic. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to argue because if that definition keeps them sober and alive, I don't want to take that from them. But it really made me realize that, you know, I it didn't feel good when someone else imposed their definition on me, and it made yeah. me feel like my recovery, which has been so life-changing and so... Yeah. just joyful. It just sucked the joy out of it. Comparison yeah. is the thief of joy. And um, uh, so it made me realize that I, I can't do that to other people as well. Did you find the definition you were I found for? it. I found it. So the okay. SAMHSA definition for recovery is a process of change through which individuals improve their health and wellness, live a self-directed life, and strive to reach their full potential. So, I mean, that doesn't say anything about abstinence, does it? Um, that said, you know, when I'm being honest, I am, I have to say, I'm a strong proponent for abstinence-based recovery, uh, being a goal. And that's just how I feel. I mean, I'm not going to say any differently. I think that, I think being fully present to what, you know, what life is and, and kind of our feelings and all of that is, is really a great goal to have. But at the same time, um, I think that a person who can be on, um, like, medically-assisted recovery tools, you know, drugs like um, naltrexone and Vivitrol, um, Suboxone, anything that's out there that can support a person to improve their health and wellness, live their self-directed life, and, and just strive to reach their full potential. I'm, like, all over that. In fact, I think that, you know, I appreciate so much the work of people out there in our sphere who are doing the work to really make sure that people have increased access to these tools. So, so I think, you know, I have this kind of this ideal in my, in my head that, that for me and, you know, that, you know, I guess people who I love, I like to think of the idea that they would eventually become abstinent um, and not be supported by, um, you just, you know, kind of be real, like a natural recovery. But at the same time, if, if somebody has to stay on um, Suboxone or Naltrexone or any of the, the tools that are out there in order to retain what they're finding in their own recovery, then that's good too, right? I mean, that's still, that's not, that's not using. So I think it's, I think I haven't spent enough time figuring out what abstinent means for me. And I think, again, if the goal for me is just try, you know, try to, to, to be able to live without um, any chemical assistance that would be great but but I recognize that that's not going to be possible for everyone and that doesn't mean that they're not in recovery and that it doesn't even mean that they're not abstinent I guess I think I just think there's a lot of work to be done in my own thinking around this idea of abstinence but that's a little bit wishy-washy but um at the end of the day what I'm saying I think is that it's none of my business how other people moderate or, you know, if they moderate or do what they do. Um, that said, for She Recovers and, like, the events and the offerings that we have, I mean, there's no gray line. There's no gray area at all. It's like if you participate in our events or come to a retreat or a workshop or a conference or a sharing circle or a picnic or whatever it is that we're holding and hosting, um, these are drug and alcohol-free zones. And, again, I mean, that doesn't mean that somebody who's on Suboxone and Naltrexone isn't welcome. That's different, but nobody's going to be drinking alcohol or smoking pot um, mm-hmm. at our events. So, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, I just think that, again, because it's so complicated, the, the best thing about all of this is that I can only speak for what's right for me, and, 
and complete abstinence from all mood and mind-altering drugs is, is the only thing that works for me. I mean, I can't even have caffeine uh, without going just a little bit nutsy. So that's me. <laughs> well, and one size does not fit all, and that's what She Recovers is all about. It really is about finding your way and expanding your um, options and learning about yeah. how other people are doing it. And I love that because yeah. I think for women especially, we... You know, the, the, just our biology is that our cycles align if we spend a lot of time together. Like our bodies, yeah. like we're so in tune to each other that our bodies actually align our cycles. I mean, that tells you something about the way that we're built. And mm-hmm. um, so when we're just around other women and, you know, we can pick up on their positivity and their healing and their, it's just this sort of intuitive thing starts to happen. And every, mm-hmm. I, I shared at one event, um, how in school and growing up, I would sort of walk in a room and size up, where are my people? Who am I going to be friends with? Who am I going to not be friends with? Who do I need to separate myself from in order to elevate myself? And, you know, all of these, like, social rules were just Mm -hmm. instinctively going through my mind. I didn't know that's what I was thinking, but I really was. I was picking and choosing. At these events, I've learned that I don't need to do that that I can walk in and accept everyone where they're at and know that I'll be accepted and that I can find my connection with every person in that room. And that's yeah. changed me as a person to know yeah. that mm-hmm. we don't have to fight to survive. We can just go and be, and it's amazing. You know, I think one of the things that she recovers, I mean, our first retreat was in 2012, right? And so about that's going on six years, I guess. And it, the first few retreats... Really, it was almost always people who were, like the majority of women who came were women who had been in uh, recovery for some time, abstinent recovery, and, you know, for years. And then there'd be one or two new people who, you know, maybe they had a few months or maybe they even just had a few days or whatever it was. But the balance was definitely in, you know, kind of people who'd really have had kind of a strong, um, firm foundation in recovery, abstinence-based recovery. And as we continue to talk at retreats and, you know, on podcasts and online and in our in our face on our Facebook group and the type of materials that we share and, and our philosophy that we share. Over the years we've continuously attracted more and more women who are really brand new to this whole idea, including those who are like sober or recovery curious, right? They're not sure. They don't know if this is what they want. And so I know that in May we had two retreats and I can tell you that um one of them in particular the majority of women there were very early in their recovery and still really figuring out kind of either A, if this was for them, or B, how to do this thing. And um, I love that. You know, I think four years ago it would have frightened me to death to know that four to five people maybe who were coming to a retreat might have had a drink on the plane or, you know, like been drinking the whole week before Um and now we're we're just getting used to greeting women at our events and and it's, you know we also we do picnics here and you know we have sharing circles in our local chapters that are you know these are free events for people to attend um so it's everywhere like people are coming with their curiosity and with their questions and with their you know checking this out type thing and and I love that i mean i, I like i said i might have been frightened by it a few years ago um but like you said people get there they arrive as soon as they know that they're not going to be judged for where they're at and they're going to be supported 
and they're going to be there and they're going to be watching and spending time with women who may, you know, who many of whom who have chosen abstinent recovery and are thriving and laughing and living great, big, huge, complicated lives. And uh, so I see the women, so many of the women leave the retreat with a real a firmer commitment to their own recovery, their own sobriety, if that's what they're choosing. And uh, it's just incredible. It's beautiful. And, uh, I, I mean, it's really why we do what we do, right? Is is not because we have this huge Facebook page of two hundred seventy three thousand people following us, because, but because I can look at. I mean, I could sit here and just name four or five women who have come to the last two retreats or events, whose lives I saw transformed. Not not by anything I was doing, uh, maybe a little bit transformed by what Taryn was doing with the yoga at her events, because it's pretty transformative. But transformed just by witnessing women living happily and healthily in recovery and somehow being in a circle of women where they end up giving themselves permission to start to investigate whether maybe they're not worthy of this too. And they go back with this kind of renewed commitment to trying harder. And it doesn't mean that they leave and they go home and they're abstinent from the time they get on the plane. Um, But, you know, you and I, uh, you know, just as an example, if I may, Mm -hmm. I won't say her name because she'd kill me probably, but, um, a woman who you met at your very first retreat, who we love dearly. And you, so that was, what, 2014, April 2014, so four years ago, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And she left that retreat, and she drank on the plane home, and she continued to drink off and on for the next three years. Um, to her great, I mean, things were, she was in, in danger of losing her family and her husband, and, and like, it, things got bad for her. And uh, I just, we just always stayed in touch, and I just always supported her and loved her right exactly where she was. And, and she was very resistant to 12-step recovery, but she was also resistant to reaching out online. So she was just very isolated. And then finally, you know, she just, I, I encouraged her to try to go to um, Alcoholics Anonymous because it was right there in her community. I knew there were women's meetings, and I knew that she would be supported. And I said, you don't have to do everything they tell you to do. You don't have to get a sponsor. You don't have to read the book. Like, just go and just soak up a little bit of positivity in a room full of sober women. And she started doing that. And she now embraces the 12-step recovery. I think she says she goes to meetings almost every day. She's doing service. She has a sponsor. And on Thursday, this Thursday, she's celebrating one year of sobriety and like it's you know it's that like so she's just one of those people that like she wasn't she wasn't ready to become abstinent she didn't choose that that wasn't her pathway she although i need to point out that when she mm -hmm. came to that retreat she had a year of sobriety under her belt she had been no she did not oh That was the tricky part. She had been to rehab, and she was talking about, you know, she said, oh, yeah, no, you're in rehab, and it's all good, and we're, we're here to, she and her roomie were there purportedly to celebrate having almost their one year, but she had been drinking all along, which was part of, you know, the shame, oh. shame-induced, I'm just going to drink, you know, when she got on the plane, right? And, and, I mean, her former roommate knows everything now, too, so... So, yeah, that was a piece of it. She had been to treatment, but she'd never been able to kind of do it because not, because she was trying to be – people were trying to force her into the 12-step box, and it didn't work for her until it, until she was ready for it to work for her. And mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm glad that something worked for her, and, and if it was that, that's great. If it had been something else, that would have been great too. But 
I mean, I just think it, it shows us that I think the greatest danger that we have in the recovery community now is that divisiveness between are you 12 step or are you not? And I think we, we kind of, you know, we do, we do things that just reinforce that kind of the dichotomy that, um, that is so dangerous because the worst thing that can happen is for somebody to try a 12 step program and it not work. And when they leave, have people tell them, well, if you don't do this and you're not going to survive, because why wouldn't they believe you? If recovery is new to them, they don't know anything different. They're, they, you know, they haven't been empowered to believe that they could actually go and start doing yoga every day and change the way they eat and check in with a therapist and, you know, go on hikes with other women who are healthy and, and that they, they can recover that way and that they can join a Facebook group and share their strengths and struggles there. You know, like, so it's, it's us getting the message out that um, there are, there is a way for you and uh, it's not, it's not necessarily going to be 12 step recovery, but gosh, if it is, that's wonderful because it provides so much, right? You've got instant community, you've got a Mm -hmm. program, uh, the steps to follow, you've got built in mentorship, you know, it's free, it's, you know, all of those reasons that it's so accessible for people. So I just always encourage people to try 12 step recovery. And uh, to you know, try it a little you know for more than just one meeting, because it's such a it's such a great um, option if it works for you. And if it doesn't, then say no, thank you. I tried. Now what have you got for me? And uh, I think one of the things that I've really moved towards in my thinking, and this is and I don't mean to be this in a self serving way, but um, is for people to be coached into kind of help helping figure out what their pathway is, right? And you know, we have a big a huge um, collective of coaches who are trained now, trained professionals working with women in recovery, but they also, um, in terms of accessibility, they do you work with practice clients. And so I don't want to suggest a pathway that isn't accessible to everybody, but even more and more in communities now, there are um, not necessarily professional life recovery coach, professional life and recovery coaches, but peer coaches. So I just think if you can find somebody who, who can kind of point you in the direction of all the different things that you can try, but that, then that's the way to go. You'll find something, you know, if anyone's listening right now, who's like, ah, oh, you know, I'm trying this and I'm trying that. And I just, nothing is sticking and nothing is working. Um, just keep trying. You will find something that resonates for you and that works for you. And as for she recovers, what we're trying to do in the next several years, as you know, is really create in-person grassroots communities, you know, we're going to start meetups and our coaches offer sharing circles in the cities where they live. And, you know, these are free offerings um, to create community that is accessible to everyone. And, you know, we envision those not becoming um, your, your program necessarily. Obviously we don't have a, she recovers program that one follows, but what we do is we provide community and opportunity for you to meet with all of the women who, who are in your community who are doing recovery in all the different ways. And so you, we are really providing an opportunity to be exposed to the multiple and many pathways and patchworks of recovery are out there. We're not trying to create a corollary or, or an adjunct or something different than a 12-step program. In fact, um, the opposite is true. We're just really trying to create an open, moving, living, breathing system of options and opportunities. I love that. And I also feel that there's there has to be some openness to the gray area of all of this because, you know, one of the um, old expressions is don't quit before the miracle happens <laughs> in mm-hmm. 12 steps. Um, 
And how do we encourage people? Like you said, if it doesn't work, give it a good try, but don't be afraid to try other things and keep trying until you figure out what works. Where's the? Do you have any guidelines for like how how much time do you give it, any modality before you decide, eh, I don't think this is working for me? Um, because as you said, like 12-step is an amazing program, and a lot of people have to stick with it for a while before they really find that it's really working for them and they're open to what they can get for it. So, I mean, what for what it can offer them. Um, yeah. And I certainly, you know, I wouldn't want anyone listening who's, who's um, doing 12-step and finding that it's an offer starting to question it. Like, there's just that fine line of, uh, I don't want to send people running off in a million directions. I always say add to it. Like, keep doing what you're doing, but add something new. Don't give up on what you're doing. Just add something new to it. But yeah. Do you have sort of any advice for people of how to know when they've really given something a fair chance? Oh, gosh. You know, I guess, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I, I just think it's one of those things where you kind of have to follow your gut and your intuition. But if you're early in recovery, you'd, you're not connected to your gut and your intuition, right? So your head is going to get you, you know, you're going to run screaming from everything. But I guess if you can just... Um, if you can practice getting in touch with, with kind of how you're feeling in a given situation. Uh, you know, I guess you, you don't have to have like any real period of, of, of sobriety or, or abstinence to start to guess like when something excites you, right? Like if you go to yoga class, you know, people say this all the time. I went to my first yoga class um, and, and I knew like, you know, I was home. And so you know that. So I guess... In part, I want, I want to tell people, like, trust your knowingness. Trust that you do know. But make sure that you're knowing it from a place in your belly and in your soul and that you're not knowing it from some story that's going on in your head. So, in other words, if you're in an AA meeting and you're going, oh, my gosh, I just want to scream and get out of here, sit a little longer and, and ask yourself, like, is that just my fear? Like, trying to drive me out of here or like is this place really frightening for me and if it's really frightening then get the sorry get the heck out (laughs) you know but and maybe try it again and and if like you're just if you're just never comfortable there I mean recovery isn't always comfortable when we're trying things right um Mm -hmm. so I guess it's it's that kind of it's a it's a dance between knowingness and um knowingness and 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 knowing this in your gut and not in your brain, kind of listening to, to what's right for your body. I mean, our body will react to things, right? But it could be because we're afraid because we're in a place where we're afraid of the vulnerability. Oh, this sounds right. like a place I'm going to have to get vulnerable. I'm out of here. doesn't mean that it's a bad right. place for you to be. But, right. um, you know, at the same time. Because sometimes your fear is actually your addiction trying to preserve itself, right? It's, it's that's the piece that, that, that's so tricky, right? Exactly. Like sometimes your head is just going to get you out of there because, you know, you really do want to have that glass of wine tonight with dinner. And if you stay here, you might be, that might mess with that. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I, I just think it's, you know, here's what we say. Like we, we, we have so many taglines. It's crazy because I say, oh, and that's our tagline. But really, we have 10 of them. But right now, what we're working a lot with is kind of an overarching tagline for everything that we're about, whether it's online or in person. Um, you know, whether it's for our, the company that we're trying to build or the nonprofit that we're in the process of setting up. And that is that we are all about connecting, supporting, and empowering women. 
And so we think that, like, that's what you need to look for. So if, if wherever you are, if you feel like, okay, I'm feeling connected to what's going on here in some way or to some person or to the philosophy or to the book, then check off, I'm connected, I'm feeling connected. This has connect, connectivity possibility for me. And then move on to support. Are you feeling supported? Like, is there somebody or is there a message or is there something happening where you're feeling like what you're doing and your own individual choice and pathway is, is being supported by the people around you or the, the, the program in front of you or the option in front of you? Then that's another check mark. And then I think the last one is, is maybe just as important, if not the most important, is does this thing that I'm doing now that I know, okay, I feel connected to a few people, I feel supported, like I'm not doing it exactly their way, but they're okay with that, then do you feel empowered? You know, and it's kind of the three checks, right? Connected, supported, empowered. And if you can check all of those three off in whatever you're doing, whatever your, your current pathway or patchwork looks like, then you're in the right place and you're doing the right thing. I think that's pretty simple. I still have a few questions to get to, and the clock is working against us here. So let me let me push it forward that, just a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about acceptance versus approval because we talked about relapse and we talked about um, you know being patient with people um, through their struggles while they're trying to get to a better place. And I really had a hard time in my online group. In fact, I had to leave for a while and come back because whenever someone would relapse, um, I didn't know how to respond to that. I didn't want to say it's okay because I felt like it's not okay. It's not okay. I don't like that you relapse. I don't feel good about that. And I can't tell you, oh, it's okay. Just try again. I, I just, I really struggled with that and it made me feel shaky in my recovery. And over time, I came to learn that there was a difference between accepting that people relapse and encouraging them to get back to recovery versus just approving of relapse and being like, oh, yeah, it's okay. Come in and out all you want. Um, I think I'm at a better place with that, but it's it has not been easy. And unfortunately, often having people connected to you that support your recovery, sometimes that means that you have to support them through their own ups and downs too. It's the good and bad of recovery. Can you give me a little bit of your thoughts on that? Can you, so the exact question is, what do I... <laughs> the exact <laughs> question is, how, can we, how do we wrap our minds around responding to relapse? Do we, how, do we, how do you see staying supportive of people in relapse without feeling that you're being approving of coming mm. in and out of recovery? Yeah, it's, it's tricky. Um, I, I just have to take it back to what's simplest, and that is just like, you know what, it's their journey, not mine, and I just have to, I just have to accept that that's where that person is. I guess from a, from a resource perspective, you know, I, 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 it's tricky. I, it depends on how well I know the person. If I know the person really well, and, you know, anybody who I've supported in their recovery, in fact, somebody who I've sponsored for 11 years who I was on the phone with last night, um, would tell you that I'm pretty blunt if I, if I have a close relationship with a person who is relapsing or even, like, talking about relapsing, right? And I, you know, I don't... 
I tend not to take the gentle pathway with those. You know, it's basically an excuse my language, but I, you know, my first thing is always get your head out of your, you know, like, because I get, I get concerned, like my fear goes up, right? So if somebody's talking about potentially wanting to drink or use drugs or do something to escape, I really, you know, I kind of come down pretty hard on them. Um, if I know them really well, because that's just my been my approach with them. If it's somebody I don't know, and like say it's somebody online, I just take the opposite approach, right? I just say, hey, listen, you know, I don't say, oh, it's okay, you know, just start again tomorrow. Uh, but I will say, listen, we love you. What can you do? What can you do to to find the support you need to to do better? You know, like what what is it that you need? Um, in order to kind of get where you want to be or, you know, pull out my coaching hat a little bit, right? Like what, what, what was the trigger? What's going on? Kind of get into it a little bit. Um, I think it's not enough to just say, it's okay. We love you. You know, I, that's my thinking anyway. Um, I think Thank we have you. to say it's, a, it's okay. That. We love you. And then what? Right. And then um, what? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's just me, but, but that's just because I, I always see, and and then not, not to get not to get too engaged with it, right? Because people are where they're at, and that's where they're. At. Nothing I say or do is going to change whether they're going to choose abstinence today or tomorrow. Nothing I say, nothing any of us say. So really, don't I? You know, I, I don't. I guess I don't get invested in the outcome. If they come back tomorrow and say, "Oh my gosh, I you know I smoked pot again," my observation will usually be, "Well." did you take any of the suggestions that were offered to you? Or, or, or maybe you, this is what you want to do today. Like, if you're going to want to smoke pot, you're going to smoke pot. And who am I to judge you for that? Um, I guess I've been around long enough to have seen, like, I don't use the term anymore because I think it's quite degrading, but um, in, in 12-step recovery, a lot of people talk about chronic relapsers, right? And it's just like it's a label, and it's, I hate it, so I don't really use it. But if we're talking about people who kind of do um, continuously choose using and and then come back and lament that they are continuously choose, choosing using, um, the thing that I've learned over the last 31 years is I have no business judging whether or not that person is ever going to get it. And I know a lot of people, you know, do take that token, right? they, that approach where they go, oh, you know, it's just that person is just always going to be here doing, saying the same thing and that has been proven to be the absolute opposite in my world. I've seen people who, who were, the, you know, we know who those people are, right? Who are just like, they just keep using. And um, it seems like they're never, ever going to get it from the outside. But we support them. And I just, I just know so many of them who eventually got it. And so I just always hold on hope for everybody. I don't write off anybody. Um, yeah. Some people have a lot to overcome. And it takes a while to get there. Well, and that's just it, right? I don't know people's and and you know we can't. It's just it's not simple. I mean, I was a low bottom addict. I had a lot that I had to kind of get through. I mean, there are different. You know, we do come into recovery at different um, points across the spectrum, and we have different differing uh, experiences with trauma and racism and you know all of the so many different barriers that are out there that some of us more privileged. Um, people don't have the experience of having to had it had a dress, right? So it's just it's none of my business, kind of when anybody else gets it, but it is my business and my responsibility to be there and support them in some way. And I get to choose how that what that support looks like. And for me, my support is often, you know, I'll text some or message somebody and to say like, "What the hell are you doing? Like, 
you know, <laughs> like, what's going on here? Uh, do you want, and yeah, that goes over really well often. Actually, it does, right? Just, at the end of the day, well, like, I just have to be who I am, and they have to be who they are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on, too, and is that your premise that she recovers is that we're all recovering from something. And so on mm-hmm. retreats, a lot of the women are there because of um, their connection to recovering from either drugs or alcohol. As 70 men. to 80 percent. A lot of the women that come are, they're welcome, and they, they come mm-hmm. from other walks of life, illness, um, you know, personal loss, either grief or loss of relationship or loss of a loved one, cancer survivors, um, there's eating disorders. I mean, people, anyone that is trying to overcome something in their life will mm-hmm. find that we all recover. Yeah. Recovery sort of follows the same process regardless of what it is that you're overcoming. But so I've watched something interesting happen in the many retreats I've been on, and that is that two things happen. Often someone like myself who is at a retreat because I'm in recovery from alcohol addiction, yeah. in opening myself up and becoming vulnerable and willing to look inside myself, I start to explore the other things that I had boxed away that I wasn't willing to address or thought that I had handled because I wasn't doing them anymore. So for me, that included um, things that would be disordered eating or bulimia or, you know, things that I really wasn't struggling with at that time and wasn't dealing with only because I transferred them all to alcohol. But it really opened me up to exploring other parts of my life. So I've watched as myself and other women started to talk about these other things and apply our healing process to them as well. And then vice versa, I've seen women that come on retreat because they're just coming over. A, I think of one one beautiful soul in particular who was there because she had just gone through a divorce. Yeah. And and was just to sit right in and was just soaked up all the, was just so open to everything. And then afterwards, um, left that retreat and then found herself battling a serious health crisis and was able to use what she'd learned yeah. with women in recovery right. to deal with that yeah. and also started exploring her use of alcohol as well. Right. I know. And so it really makes me She's realize amazing. that... Amazing, yeah. yeah. And that we a lot of us move through a lot of isms before we land on alcohol and alcohol is the one we have yeah. to deal with because we can't hide right. it after a point. Yeah. But then we can retroactively heal from all these other things. So just speak briefly about yeah. the idea that we're all recovering from something and that recovery applies to Oh, so many sure. That, this one's easy. I mean, here's the thing. The cocaine and the pills and the pot and the booze, that was, those were just my coping mechanisms. That wasn't what was, I mean, that, underlying that was the pain and the fear and this, you know, lack of self-esteem and, and all of those other things. So, so I think that we're all the same. You take away kind of the, the drugs and the alcohol and, and whatever we're left with is what we have in common. Um, so for me, I mean, 31, I haven't had a drink for 31 years. I haven't even, I haven't even wanted a drink for 31 years, which is pretty miraculous, you know, for, for someone like me, it's just kind of, I was like, done, done, move on. <laughs> um, so, I see that as, you know, that we all just have all these underlying issues or, or, you know, conditions, the human condition, really. 
And so that's why we, when we meet together, it doesn't. We're not there. We, we, you know, we, even, uh, we often don't even end up talking about alcohol or drugs when we're together. We're talking about our families and our, you know, our families of origin and everything else. So I, I just think that, that that really is the most important thing to remember is that if we're brand new to sobriety, say, so we've just given up drinking, then we're going to want to talk about that in a circle of women who have done it already or who are doing it or who we relate to because they're in the same spot as us. But really most of us, have kind of like you and I we're not we don't struggle with wanting to drink or use drugs anymore but I struggle with workaholism you I mean I'm not going to say what you struggle with but we have our struggles so we relate on the level of our humanity more than on the level of our of our kind of what got us there um I think that that's what so so and we learn all the time that there are other things that that bring us into connection with each other but once we get there we start connecting on those deeper levels and layers of what's really going on or been going on for us all our lives. That lack of self-worth, that, you know, that lack of trusting ourselves, all of that type of stuff. I remember one retreat a few years ago. We had a, a three women who were, they identified with a 12-step recovery program for love addicts. You know, it was love addiction. Mm-hmm. And it was, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that was transformative for us because, you know, we actually went back and changed our, we're all recovering from something list of things we were recovering from to include love and sex addiction. Because I knew it was a thing, but I hadn't actually met people who were in recovery from it and spoke so eloquently about what that recovery looked like. So, yeah, I mean, and I love the, the first retreat we ever had. One of the reasons we always said we started off by saying we are all recovering from something was because I wanted my best friends to come to a retreat, the first one, and they weren't in recovery from substance use disorder. <laughs> you know, one was recovering from chronic illness and the other was recovering from a divorce. And I just, oh, we're all recovering from something. Come along. And having them there and seeing what they took away from it. And seeing how they fit in just as well as everybody else was yeah. just kind of, oh, yeah, we're actually on to something here. We are really all come, recovering from something. And, you know, I see that to this day, right, where women come because they're, um, you know, we had a mom of a special needs adult daughter, like a daughter who had um, who experiences mental health issues. We have, you know, women who are um, autism mamas and, and yeah, there's just this, it's just, it doesn't matter, like, once we kind of get together, regardless of where, where, where we are and where we're gathering, once we start talking, we, um, we can kind of get down to that, how we grew up and who we were, who our young girls were. It's like our young girls are connecting always, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know if I answered your question in that round. I don't know, but I like where you took me. <laughs> Thank you. Um, in the moments we have left, let's talk about a mm-hmm. few of the upcoming things. Now, we're recording this a little bit early, but um, when this airs, we will be a couple weeks closer to the L.A. event, which is in September. So tell us about that. Yeah, yeah She Recovers in L.A. is taking place at the Beverly Hilton. Um, if, if those have heard about us, uh, we did She Recovers in New York City last year. And this year we're doing it in L.A. And we have some amazing speakers and guests. I'm not going to go through all of them, but they are available on our website. If you go to www.sherecovers.co and just click on the L.A. event. We still we have about 80 registration tickets left, but we are about to launch a sponsorship. Uh, sorry, a scholarship program tomorrow, where people uh, we're launching a GoFundMe for people to donate so that more women can experience. Um, she recovers in LA, and then they can. Um, well, they can also they you know you, you can donate and apply, or you can just donate, or you can just apply. Um, but we'll be accepting applications, and we I, we don't know how many, of course. Um, scholarships will be until we see where the fund goes. The fund will be open for about three weeks, and then at the end of that, however many um, 
registrations we can cover, we will. Um, so that's kind of exciting for us. Uh, we we don't intentionally build these big, beautiful events to keep people out. We always have, you know, a, a, a fair number, actually, of volunteer positions that we fill from within our community. Um, so the more people can access it, and with our new nonprofit that we're, we've launched and we're just now um, applying for charitable charitable status, we envision that in the future, all of our events, not our retreats probably, uh, will, but all of our events and workshops and paid events will be um, a sliding scale so that, more, again, we can provide more access. But in the meantime, we have every confidence and belief that we are fully worthy of a big world-class event at the um, Beverly Hilton. So that's what we're doing. There'll be um, panels. Uh, we're all recovering from something panel, and uh, we are the change makers panel. And you're moderating those panels, so thank you for that. I'm we have workshops on. I know we have workshops um, from other coaches and members of our community um, who are doing workshops on forgiveness and uh, our relationships with food and gratitude and yes, yeah, so much more. We've got um, Cheryl Strayed from Wild is speaking and Janet Mock and Mackenzie Phillips, who is actually one of our dearest and closest friends now. She's a, a strategic advisor for us. Lori Dew, uh, Rosie Acosta. Anyway, I, like I said, I don't want to forget anybody, and I probably shouldn't have started off without being able to go on. We have something like 20 presenters and 10 speakers. So um, the big deal is on Saturday night we're doing a gala. It's the She Recovers Foundation Gala where we're launching our nonprofit foundation. And at that gala dinner we are presenting the late Betty Ford with our She Recovers Foundation Legacy Award. Um, her daughter, Susan Ford-Bales, is going to be there to accept it. It's going to be a big deal. And then we're also honoring uh, Tarana Burke, who's the founder of the Me Too movement with our She Recovers Foundation Hope Award. And, of course, you were the recipient last year of our Hope Award, so we're excited that that tradition is continuing. And, yeah, we're going to have um, yoga in the morning with Taryn and then yoga and meditation the next morning with Beat Simkin and Taryn. Sarah Blondin is going to be doing a meditation for us. We've got a She Recovers Run. Um, yeah, there's lots going on. And you know what? I mean, your speakers are amazing. Mm -hmm. Your lineup is just incredible. The location is Mm -hmm. amazing. But to me, the most amazing part of it is to be in a room with Mm -hmm. so many other women who get it. That is just, oh my God, just breathe it in and look at it. I mean, it's that is just amazing. And, you know, if you see someone by themselves, well, nobody sits alone, first of all. I mean, if someone's by themselves and someone else just goes and scoops them up and says, here, come sit with us. What's right. your name? Where are you from? And, and you know, you just, you, oh. you've got 10 new best friends yeah. by the end of it. On that, can I just mention, because it's really important, if there's anybody out there who's thinking, oh, I wish I could go to that, but I don't know anybody and I don't want to go on my own. Well, as you know, Jean, we are on the Friday night, actually, after Cheryl Strayed, like our first speaker, we're having um, solo travelers meet up. Um, in the hotel so that anybody who's traveled who's traveled on their own can actually meet other women who have traveled on their own and we think that that's a great way for you to kind of find yourself uh, you know some women who are who are also there alone that you can have lunch with or sit with or you know be connected with and as I understand it Jean I think you're going to be making an appearance at that um, that meetup as well so for any of your listeners who yes yeah, so I I'd start, just wanted to throw that in because that's a really important piece for us. Last year, so many women came on their own, and we didn't know until afterwards that they had been on their own and stayed on their own through the weekend. They had an amazing time, and, you know, several of them ended up coming on retreat since then and, and then just saying, like, oh, no, I was there. I just kind of kept on my own, and they were okay with that. But I'm sure that there are women who would really be more comfortable getting there and going, oh, you know what, like, 
sure, you're from Illinois too or whatever because we'll have where we're from on our credentials this year. Just meeting up with other people. Um, the other and thing I, I want to say is, yeah, we also have um, a way that people are meeting up is we have our own, sh- just like you know, we were members of the BFB, which is such a great part of our own recovery, but we also have a She Recovers Together um, Facebook secret group. So people can, uh, if they just post on She Recovers Proper, they can get through to us that way. Like, can I provide a link so that they can actually access the group through another way too? I don't know how, how you do that. With no, the have them actually, if you want to, because we want to kind of keep that group um I mean, there's some benefit to the secrecy of it. So, yes, no, it's going, it is, yeah, it's staying secret. <laughs> if you secret. want to join either group, which is, both of them are online right. support groups, um, send me an email, thebubblehour at gmail.com, and I will give you the secret knock for the right. She Recovers Together group right. and uh, yeah. also the BFB that you mentioned, which is the Booze Free Brigade, which is a, another um, online support group. But the, what's cool about the She Recovers Together group is that if you're in that group, then when you go to the events, you meet the people that are in that group at the events. And that, so then that mm-hmm. sort of, you know, makes your connections. Yeah. We also have huge events. contingents of BFB people come to our events. Right? Well, it's like, true. And there's a lot of crossover yeah. between the two groups. Yeah, BFB. there really is. But, but in any case, I know anybody some of you looking are listening, for. We love you so much. Yeah, so, so much. Yeah. Good Lord. But, and mm-hmm. I also, I was going to say about the. Um, the Solo Travelers event is that, to me, hell is walking into a room full of people, whether I know them or not. I It's the hardest yeah. thing I do. And, I, I, I mean, I'm people don't expect me to be shy, but I am. So if I can do this, if I can go and go to an event by myself and then trust that I can walk into a Solo Travelers yes. event and come up with friends, yeah. anybody can do it um, because right. it really is. It really yeah. is a safe, safe, safe place for that. Yeah. Okay, we we are almost out of time, but in the just really quickly, can yes. we talk about yes. this exciting new new thing that you're doing totally. and that you invited mm-hmm. me to be part of, and that is the events that you will be hosting at Kripalu. Yes. Yeah, so the center, Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health is uh, it's the largest health yoga health and wellness center in the world. Um, it's in the Berkshires in Western Massachusetts, and it's for anybody who's kind of a yoga person, they've probably heard of it. If you haven't, um, you should check it out. It's www.kripalu.org. And for many months now, we, we were in discussions with Kripalu about bringing She Recovers to Kripalu so that we can hold events there. Um, and the idea for us is, you know, we, as you know, our our retreats sell out kind of within days after we launch them. And so there's a demand for more and more retreats all the time. I have a book to write. I have a grandchild that I have to spend time with. I have a husband who's so tired of being ignored. I don't want to get on a plane and just continuously go off and do retreats as much as I love them. If we had 104 weeks in the year, I would do it, but I don't. So we figure the best way to scale the number of retreats we have is to do it at retreat centers like Kripalu where, I mean, they, they handle registration. They, like, they do, there's so much work that goes into handling a retreat, right? So they handle all of that. And our idea is that although Taryn and I will be there for the very first one in August and also over New Year's, um, some of the other dates that we have set for our four-day retreats at Kripalu will be hosted by people like you, Jean. So we're (laughs) so thrilled that you agreed to um, be a facilitator at our November 11th to 15th retreat at Kripalu. And what that will look like is 
there'll be a She Recovers at Kripalu group. So say there's 30 to 40 people from who sign up for that retreat. You'll kind of be the, the glue that holds them together. You'll host the sharing circles in the evening in a private spot just for our group. But you'll all have access to everything else that, that Kripalu offers during the day. So they have this amazing faculty. You'll be able to access their workshops, their yoga classes, um, three meals a day, um, the accommodations. It's, it's pretty spectacular. If you go on our website under retreats, um, Kripalu is the first one that comes up. And if you click on that, it goes and it describes the three retreats at Kripalu that we currently have um, booked, including um, the one that you'll be hosting. So, And there's room for all three because we've just launched it. Um, mm-hmm. I know that there are people already. I think there's seven people signed up for yours already. So that's exciting. That's exciting. Um, that's exciting. And yeah, just two days you know, ago that you launched it. So I know, and we just we really <laughs> wanted to offer something on the East Coast because we have you know next Wednesday we're heading into our West Coast retreats here on Salt Spring Island. If we've got two back to backs next year, we're doing three. And uh, but we really needed to have more more opportunities for women on the East Coast. So this is our solution to all sorts of different things, and we're very excited. We love Kripalu. They're also one of our empowering partners in L.A. Um, them and Shane Booth are the, the reasons that we're able to do L.A. Them thanks to their financial support and all the other support they give us. We'll be working with both organizations over the coming years on a number of other large initiatives across the countries. I'm very excited about these uh, events, and I'm excited mm-hmm. that it's an opportunity for listeners of this show if you sort of come to know my voice and you come to trust me and you know that I'm here as your biggest cheerleader in recovery, and I can tell you that Dawn and her daughter Taryn are as well, um, this is a place where you can come in person and just be safe and come mm-hmm. and come step into the bubble and for real and, um, yeah. and join us there Beautiful. and know that you're just going to be met with just a loving trust that's just going to help you look after yourself and, and value what you're doing. And I just think yeah. it's so exciting. If you want to reach Dawn, you will find her at sherecovers.co or on the Facebook page, She Recovers, or you can email me, thebubblehour at gmail.com, and I will make sure that Dawn gets your message. Until next time, everyone, take good care. I own it, I did that, not proud that that was me, and when I face a little dignity, not looking for excuses. I just want to be free from power, weakness head on me. In a dark corner is where shame lies behind. We think you're strong just cause you keep it all inside. Looking at you in there And the one who 
Thank you. 